We are finally back. Midterms could hold us down, but they can't hold us down for long. <laughs> Specifically me. Ethan that midterms. I have midterms. Yeah, no, it's October, so I'm <laughs> not having midterms yet. But there is a lot. Per, maybe, you know, there's been a lot of really good content through the first nine weeks of the season. But if I had to pick two weeks to miss, especially as an Arsenal fan, and kind of jam them into one episode, I, I think this one, this one might suffice. Solid two weeks for Arsenal fans, to say the least. Anyway, in the last two weeks, it you don't realize how much happens in two weeks. Aaron Judge got 62. Last two weeks, yeah. that was less than two weeks ago. Shout out Aaron Judge. Yankees start to play off their World Series campaign, I guess. Guaranteed World Series campaign tomorrow. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that. I'm sure back home in the Schwartz household, they'll be spectating. Well, maybe not me personally. Maybe <laughs> our father. I, for one, am happy that Judge hit his 62nd home run so I can stop caring about baseball again. <laughs> maybe if they make the World Series, I'll start watching. But, <laughs> But... With the two weeks we missed comes a giant worst team wins update. Ethan, would you like to inform us as to how that went? Yes, we have three weeks worth of worst team wins to update you on. So we'll break it down week by week. Match week eight was a weird one because, you know, it was still, you know, after the queen died. So some teams did play, some teams didn't. So not a great one to judge off of. But my team, Garnacho Cheese, got 15 points. Brayden's team, Jay-Z's died for our top ends, got 39. So I Not a great week. crushed him that week. It would get and worse. Yes. <laughs> the next week, neither of our teams did very well. Of course, meaning that they did spectacularly. <laughs> my team got 54 points. And I think probably was the biggest game week for my team so far. Mm-hmm. Uh, players like Sokka and Bowen, they really started to hit their stride these last couple weeks. So my team's been scoring points, scoring a bit more points than usual. And Bobby Firmino, he's been a real thorn in the side of this team right now. And the fact that he's my captain too. Yep. That he's, it's, uh, it's not as Darwin good. Nunez con- continues his flop narrative, doesn't exactly help the Firmino pick. Yeah. So. I had 54 points that game week, and you got a little bit cocky uh, <laughs> on Saturday. We're not going to bring those screenshots. Finally... We're not going to bring yeah, those up. Yeah. I have the text receipts, but <laughs> rest assured, Holland, Holland did Holland things. And it wasn't Brady... even, it wasn't even, look, I have survived a lot of Holland goals, and I've kept it tight this season. It was the fact that. Foden also yeah, scored a hat trick and assisted two of Holland. Like, what the fuck? I, yeah. I definitely manifested that because I texted you what's the worst that can happen. Yeah. <laughs> the worst happened. No, that, that, was, that was quality. So Foden <laughs> and Holland absolutely ran riot for Brain's team match week nine. Technically match week nine in FPL because game week seven it still exists in FPL, just no one played. So his team scored a monster 81 points that week. That's a fantastic game week for a team that's That's a fantastic to do well. game week for yeah. <laughs> if you were trying to do well, that that'd be great. Unfortunately, it's the other way around. And so match week 10, finally you got the better of me. So I had 49 points, Braden's team had 36. I mean, there was a lot of uh this week was weird. There's a lot of uh newcomers to contributing to the pointage this week you had trevor chalaba getting his first start and clean sheet for your mm. team he had barely played so honestly forgot i picked him to be honest. yeah he was so he was just a easy to forget for me. and for my team cristiano ronaldo yes he still exists too came off the bench and scored mm. for Accidentally. united yes <laughs> if when ronaldo starts scoring you know you're in trouble yes uh, he, that could be an he, issue going forward. Yeah, I'm I'm still confident that he's not going to Certainly not early Holland breaking yeah. <laughs> on pace for 65 goals, but, you know, it, it can't hurt. Yeah, Ronaldo so far <laughs> has been my signing of the season for this FPL bus team because he no was, kidding. what, 10.5 million? And this is his first goal contribution this year. So What, I, what I'm most <laughs> upset about is that during the draft, literally on draft day, I was waffling between Mars and Foden. And I was mm. like, Mars is a like 
a better player, in my opinion. I, I think he's going to go with the experience of Gomarez. Meanwhile, Foden is like the fifth highest point getter in FPL this season. So, yeah. I mean, these last three weeks, he's been just yeah. absolutely he has insane. Like six goals. <laughs> yeah, I think all. I think like five of his six goals have come in these last couple Ridiculous. of weeks. Yeah. I, I'm Ridiculous. done talking about Phil Foden for now. <laughs> and Darwin Nunez scored again for your team. So. <laughs> I'm okay with that. I think I got that one. If not for Holland, I think most of my... The Nunez pick, like, Erickson's been... Erickson's been good, like, for the eye test, but not mm-hmm. on paper. Like, he's been yeah. good with, like, progressive passes and stuff, but, like, not goals and assist-wise, which is nice. Um, yeah. James Madison, and we'll get to Oh, yeah, he's another know, one. <laughs> down the road. He's, like... Why is he hitting his stride, like, now, you know? <laughs> Like, he had three years to be, like, a world-class center mid and, like, get right, he's been world, to a bigger he's been club. He was, really he's been world-class, but, like, he's been good. He's been good to very good. Now he's, like, literally backpacking this Leicester team that has no other offensive capabilities otherwise. Well, he just looks better because no one else on Leicester has done anything. <laughs> In the previous, you know, three years he's been on Leicester, Leicester's actually been good. So, you know, he hasn't been standing out as much. So, anyway... To update you all on the season total for the entire season so far, I think we've had, I mean, this is match week 10, but we have really nine game weeks so far. I have 342 points and Braylon's team has 414. Yikes. <laughs> Big gap emerging so far in this FPL worst team wins race. Anyway, enough about my sketchy worst team wins season thus far. We've got a lot of Premier League football to cover, let's be honest, and let's hop right into it. Starting with match week eight, Manchester City six, Manchester United three, a game that um, was, I guess you could say a bit one-sided when it came to the attacking end of things. Um, it ended up being Holland three, Foden three, Anthony with Probably the goal of the game, um, arguably. Well, Anthony um, three because Mar- what Martial had two and Anthony had one. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Anthony, Anthony had Hatcher. a goal in the fifty sixth, <laughs> and then Martial in the eighty fourth and ninety first, um, to make it a less embarrassing loss on the blue side of Manchester. But this one was one way traffic, even if the score Not was the- <laughs> yeah. Uh, even if even if the they came back and reflect. made it a little more uh, less embarrassing, this one was complete one way traffic. It was this man that that was the Manchester United that we saw during the Brentford, you know, beatings. Like mm-hmm. they, I, I don't think they fully reverted back to that to that team that they were. I think they still have that form. Yeah, but well, this performance wasn't self implosion like it was against Brentford. It was agreed. a bit different. They were the masterminds of their own demise against Brentford. And obviously when you're going up against a team like Manchester city, they just got outclassed. It's as simple as that really for me. It almost seemed as if United, you know, after the game was way out of reach, even when the game was still in reach, it seemed like they were just like contempt with giving up scoring opportunities. Like city didn't even have to really work for it. And now the, in the form Holland's in, it doesn't ever look like he works for it. It looks like it comes so easy to him. But you know, when you're tra- when you're tactically setting up to play against Man City, you just want to make it as hard for them as possible. Make it compact. Make them work the ball around through Cancelo, through the wingers. Make De Bruyne play some pinpoint balls, which he did to break you down. If they if they put together the attacking class to break you down, so be it but you just want to make it as hard for them to do that as possible when you're playing Manchester City. And it looked like United didn't do that at all. It kind of just, they treated it like just another game and they paid for it very, very harshly. They paid for it. Yeah, I think I think one of the main issues that I saw in this United performance, if I could pinpoint one player, it'd be Christian Eriksen. I think that so far for United, they've been able to play Ericsson in this kind of deeper lying role and use him in a way where he didn't have as much defensive responsibility against, you know, slightly lesser teams. But this game just completely exposed 
Christian Eriksen because he is not a defensive-minded player, and he had to play a defensive role. I could think of at least three or four goals in which Eriksen had a hand in. I think the first goal, he just completely lost his mark on Foden, who just, you know, strolled right across the middle of the box and tapped it home. Um, I mean, he was marking Erling Holland on the corner kick. I don't know who's <laughs> May not have been his was. fault. <laughs> May not have been his fault. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, obviously, he didn't have to, like, compete for the aerial duel with Holland, but he had to, like, track his run, which just couldn't i mean yeah complete mismatch and i think on the third goal too or third or fourth goal like he had the chance to take out de bruyne at midfield and he wasn't able to and it just exposed that whole position for uh united i mean mctominay and uh erickson mctominay even though i wasn't directly responsible i mean the midfield got absolutely bossed and again the fact that casemiro wasn't selected i mean for this type of game where i mean ten hog knew he'd be sitting in a defensive role i mean clearly i mean they were just letting all the pressure come to them so it's honestly a really questionable decision for me that i can't quite understand maybe it's because you know it had worked before you know against other teams where erickson again he didn't have to defend as much and he was getting higher up the field but i think this was a reality check for ten hog I I don't know. I'm sure if I if I did some research, I could find out why Casemiro was benched. Maybe it was like a lingering injury, but it they brought him in to be the like McTominay band aid, you know, to like patch up the spots where obviously McTominay wasn't filling, and then they benched a seemingly healthy Casemiro. He might not have been. Um, and you know when you play the six for in the Premier League, you kind of have to be a hundred percent, or you can't, you just simply can't do it. Um, so that might have been why, but it's it it is curious why they decided to bench Casemiro. Clearly, they got ran through in the midfield and could have used the, the experience of Casemiro. Um, I it, this one, I I honestly think if I'm a Manchester United fan, the best thing to do is kind of just chalk this one up as. You got outclassed, you know, plain and simple. I mean, tactically, they didn't look great either. And, you know, to look pessimistically at it, it this was, you know, maybe a little bit of a schooling when it comes to Ten Hag in the Premier League, you know. He's never really yeah. played a team like Manchester City in the league. You know, in Champions League, it's different. But um, when you play teams like this in the league, it's, you know, a different style of management player management tactically it's it's something that he's going to have to learn and he kind of learned his lesson i guess you could say yeah the etsy had will provide some cruel premier league lessons <laughs> and it certainly did for united yes. last weekend arsenal three tottenham hotspur won a fantastic day for the gooners of the world in North London, it was, I mean, I'll get into some of the, the, goal, the goal scorers in a second, but when Arsenal in years past have won big six games, um, at, at away or at home, they, I mean, they haven't had a great record away, but um, when they've won big six games at home, you know, Spurs, Liverpool back in the day, not recently until this week, um, it just it seemed like they needed to go above and beyond. After the game, you're like, you know, the team was set up well. These guys had a good day. You know, they got they went out there and they, you know, expressed themselves and mm -hmm. did what they they needed to do. This one felt like it well and truly felt like we were the favorites and they were the underdogs and we were, but it just felt like Arsenal got the job done. And I've never really felt that as an Arsenal fan in a big six game. Usually in a yeah, big I six game, they need to go above and beyond. Mm -hmm. And yeah. in this game, mm -hmm. they just like played their game, did their job and beat a big six team. That is the first time in a while that I've been able to say that. Yeah, you absolutely took the words right out of my mouth. I mean, just think about like last year coming into, you know, the North London Derby at home again, same scoreline. But you saw that performance, and it was just 
out of this world. Yeah, it was above not a performance that you saw from Arsenal, you know, many times throughout, you know, that season. And that's usually how these big six games go. At home, when we get, you know, win against a big six team, it's like Arsenal put in a fantastic performance. They really went all out. And like you said, this, they just played their game. They play against Tottenham like they would play against any other opponent. And obviously, it's a bit different because Tottenham mm-hmm. has more quality. And obviously, the atmosphere was, you know, electric. You know, as it should be for a North London derby. But on the field, they played the way that they've been playing all season. And it worked. They were allowed to play that the way that they wanted to play. You know, Tottenham sat back. Arsenal, you know, they're used to this. They play lesser sides at home. And they have to break them down. And they have to, you know, push guys forward. And that's exactly what they did. Now, be that as it may, Tottenham also got to play the way that they wanted to play. Because they wanted to let Arsenal possess. Yes. And honestly, they didn't do a whole lot wrong in the first half. I mean, Tottenham, the way they play, they want to, not necessarily want to, but they don't mind letting up those types of shots to Thomas mm-hmm. Partey. Because they can only no. do so much. Yeah. I mean, if Thomas Partey hits a shot like that from 25 yards, which... He hadn't done for the three years prior he's been at Arsenal. Sometimes you just got to tip your cap because that was, yeah. I mean, it was an amazing strike. I w- certainly wasn't expecting it. His first goal from outside the box for Arsenal after many, many fruitless attempts. Some, <laughs> really, some really, really poor ones. And one thing I also do want to point out uh, that has been brewing for a few weeks, but I think really culminated in this game was yeah. Ben White. Uh, in the right back role obviously we knew he can play right back when he signed for Arsenal he has played right back a couple of times but it was always as you know it wasn't his ideal position it was always because you know he needed to fill in for Tomiyasu or mm-hmm. something like that but he's really made the right back role his own and in this game he was n- almost flawless I mean defensively he's always been solid there but really he stepped it up in the final third of the field. I mean, obviously, he had the assist to party on the first goal, but especially in the second half is where he was most dangerous because he was making those overlapping runs when Saka was getting on the ball. Mm-hmm. And he, he had a big hand in getting uh, that go-ahead goal in the second half because he was making the overlapping run, which allowed Saka to cut inside. And then another time in the half, I think literally five minutes later, he made that overlapping run. He did get the ball. He had a great ball back post for Jesus, who had it just wide. But he's, you know, he's become almost a sixth attacker, in a sense, for Arsenal. I mean, Zinchenko on the left-hand side, he plays as more of like a center mid. And at times, I know that both him and Ben White have kind of come central, which Ben White did do in the first half. That's kind of how he got his assist. But the fact that he can do both, both play inside and play as an overlapping wingback, I mean, he's just so versatile. And it's not a versatility that he always had. You know, it's been developing for the last season or so under Arteta, and he's become just a real weapon for us. Yeah, I mean, kind of said it all. Uh, the modern wing back, you'd think of a guy like um, Kyle Walker or, you know, Ashraf Hakimi, those really pacey guys that like to overlap. And Ben White has kind of proven that you know, defensive stability isn't dead. You know, you don't need those crazy overlapping wingers to to <clears throat> to be the the third fourth option on the attack, even though he was. Um, but the it's the defensive stability that he provides, and that's you know that's what you get tactically always moving a center back out to right back. You're sacrificing offensive capabilities for defensive stability. But Ben White has taken up the role and i'm sure that the arteta and the arsenal coaching staff have had a major role in that kind of walking him through how to play the position i can't imagine he's played the position a ton of time a ton of times since his youth career Um, you know certainly at leeds he didn't step foot at right back so and how many starts has he really had at center back this season none right this season none last season same yeah well, last yeah, season we didn't have Saliba, so back. it was him and Gabriel. Yeah. But yeah, we've had the same two center backs and right back throughout the whole of this season. The left back, I mean, we've had Tomiyasu Tierney and obviously yeah. Zinchenko play there, mm. and we'll get into how well Tomiyasu yeah. played 
you know, in that left back role. Yeah. In, you know, a couple minutes. I mean, we'll, we should move on to it right now because, you know, we can talk about Ben White even in the game on Sunday. Arsenal three, yeah. Liverpool two. And, you know, I'll say it again. Arsenal didn't need to play outstanding to win this game. They did their job and they beat Liverpool Football Club. That's a sentence I really never thought I'd say before the age of 35. And that <laughs> it was really, it was really like that. It was like the atmosphere and the, just the like belief, you know, we've rolled into Liverpool games on form before. And in years past at either at Anfield or at the Emirates, we've said, why can't we do this next weekend against Liverpool? And then we go into Liverpool or we host Liverpool and they just tear us apart. And you're like, what the hell happened? And this year was different. This year there was an actual belief like, if we do our job, we will win this game. And then they did their job and they won the game. It's like, it seems so simple, but it's a complete contrast to what this Arsenal team has looked like in years past. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, it's such a stark contrast between this and the Tottenham game. Because obviously, again, Arsenal are just trying to play their way but obviously Tottenham sat you know much deeper and we had to break them down more whereas Liverpool was more of a counter-attacking game where we really just you know exposed their weaknesses defensively obviously in the first minute I mean that counter-attack uh Saka the Odegaard you know into mm -hmm. Martinelli the dream start and clearly again in the headlines is Trent Alexander-Arnold <laughs> he was <laughs> He's always had a tough time against Martinelli, but, I mean, Liverpool has always won, so he can't sweep it under the rug. But this time, I mean, Martinelli was unplayable. He was man of the match, never a doubt about that. And he, he managed to get Trent Alexander-Arnold subbed off at halftime, which was a really, really big statement from, from Jurgen Klopp, because Klopp has always been Trent's biggest defender, even yeah. if Trent himself is not defending. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but, um... Yeah, Bromwell's not a thing. Anyway, uh, so Klopp caved in. He finally caved in regarding uh, Trent's defending. I mean, did he comment about that? I'm sure someone had to ask uh, about that. I know the media. The I didn't watch conference. too much of the I, – I didn't want to watch uh, Klopp just complain again. So I, I never really watch the Klopp interviews unless it's brought to my attention on Twitter. But um, I'd imagine the media is very quick to uh, – to bring up Trent Alexander-Arnold when he has a poor performance. So I'd imagine it was mentioned at some point, and uh, I'd like to go back and look, but I did not catch that, no. So the question is, has Klopp completely caved on Alexander-Arnold? Do you think that there's a chance that come Sunday against Man City, he's not starting? No. God, no. Uh, this is... Klopp time and time and time again has defended Trent. He even came out recently in a, in a midweek interview and said like is he a defensive liability uh, you may see that but like that's not what we ask him to do we ask him to play higher and that means he has to you know bust his ass back sometimes and maybe he's caught out so maybe he like he has he has acknowledged that he is somewhat of a defensive liability but said that this is what the coaching staff staff asked him to do they they ask him to go forward and not be as defensive as a right back as people request of him so you know he's asking that they take mercy on him and nobody really does do they <laughs> let's be no, honest no they do not martinelli completely annihilated him in the first half it was i mean you know he's so direct martinelli and we'll get to martinelli yeah. now because it's been a very, 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 I won't, I won't say breakout because he's always been good, but he's really, like, become borderline irreplaceable in this Arsenal team. Yeah, he's taken like, his game to the next level. He's absolutely. no longer just, like, a youngster who's good in this Arsenal team. Like, no, he is the guy, and he's, like, becoming, you know, like, one of the better wingers, you know, in the league, really. Yeah, it's impossible to ignore. Um, And that's, I'm trying to come from an, as much of an unbiased standpoint as I can. He is very 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 important to this arsenal team 
and um that getting to the the team as a whole the one i guess semi criticism i might have about arsenal is that i'm afraid of their depth a little bit their starting 11 yeah. is going to get them hopefully top 4 with little to no sweat however you know 38 game season plus Europa League plus FA Cup plus Carabao Cup close to 50 games 55 games there's injuries rarely do you go a whole season and have your best players play every single game we're gonna lose Martinelli they're gonna lose Odegaard they already did we're gonna lose Party at some point might lose Xhaka at some point might lose Saliba where do those replacements come from uh, in comes, you know, Cedric, in comes Marquinhos, who is very young and doesn't have much experience at this level. Um, you know, guys like Fabio Vieira have come in and done a very good job. And, you know, at left back where we had little to no depth now, Zinchenko's our starter and we have Tamiyasu and we have Tierney. So, like, the depth is improving, but when you roll out the same starting 11 every single week and Arteta, he's one of those guys that if it's, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Even if the team might not be perfect, you know, we're playing a center back at right back like we are with Ben White. And we have Tomiyasu, who's a little more of a natural right back, who might be even better right back than Ben White. They still refuse to change it because it's, he, he's a big chemistry guy. He doesn't want to change it. We roll yeah. out the same starting 11 in the league seven weeks in a row. All of a sudden you lose, I don't know, Saliba and Party in the same week. How does that team play next week? Is a young team... And I don't know how adaptable they're going to be when guys start dropping. That's what I'll say. It's definitely a big issue. I think the biggest depth issue is in the holding midfield with Jaka and Party because they both have played such distinct roles yes. in the team. Obviously, Jaka, he's playing a completely new type of role. I mean, he's a holding midfielder, but he's at times playing he's like an attacking striker eight, pretty much. with Jesus. He's yeah, like it's, Jude Bellingham. Yeah, I've never seen any player play like this, not even in a Pep Guardiola squad. I mean, you'd yeah. think that this would be something he, you know, stole right out of Pep Guardiola's book, but I haven't <laughs> seen, you know, Rodri, like, playing as a second striker yeah. when, you know, before they had Holland, obviously. But, yeah, so obviously Jaka plays a very unique role that's kind of hard to, you know, replace. And partly because Jaka's playing you know, so high up the field. Party's like a single pivot and he's like solely responsible for that holding midfield, receiving the ball and distributing. Obviously, White and uh Zinchenko kind of slide into a midfield role, but they're not really at the very heart and base mm -hmm. of the midfield like Party is. And you need a really confident ball player to play that role. And if Party's not there, the bench options, they simply just don't have the skills to play that role. Elmeny yeah. and Lakonga, they can be good on their day, and Elmeny, you know, playing in a, you know, holding midfield pair or a traditional holding midfield pair can be fine and serviceable, but he can't do the job that Thomas Party can do. So, I mean, that yeah. was evident against United when Thomas Party wasn't there, when you had Lakonga playing in that role. Obviously, yeah. you know, Arsenal's only loss this season. Obviously, not fully on him. But just goes to show, you know, if one of those holding midfielders goes down, you know, we kind of lose a bit of it, base yeah. of our team, really. Yeah, that that is the worry. Um, and I guess we'll see because, you know, again, it's impossible to go a whole season without some kind of devastating injury. Um, so, you know, full team is healthy right now. No complaints. But I'm kind of preparing for the worst mentally as only Arsenal fans, as, you know, most soccer fans do. Th another thing I want to talk about was how our Liverpool takes have changed over the last two weeks. Because last week, last week, match with Gate, it was three, or uh, Liverpool three, Brighton three. Very, another very unimpressive performance from Liverpool. And then they come to the Emirates, and they lose 3-2, you know, giving up 3xg and producing like 0.8xg this is i mean is it time to remove liverpool from a 
top tier team in the world. No, no, not as a top tier team in the world. Um, but certainly you have to say that they're no longer a top four lock and not even close right now, Liverpool. Before the season, you know, everyone automatically assumed that they'd be in a title race. I'd be, I mean, right now they're 14 points behind top of the league arsenal. It's hard to think that, you know, they'll be in a title race unless things drastically change and quickly. I mean, again, with the World Cup, who knows how that's going to mm-hmm. affect, like, the normal, you know, tradition of form going into, you know, the Christmas and, you know, mm-hmm. winter fixtures and that, you know, pivotal time in the league. So, honestly, Liverpool are probably going to end up being in a top four battle. I mean, just look at every team in the big six has gotten better and better each mm-hmm. year. And if you're not getting better, we've said it before, you mm-hmm. know, you're falling behind. Teams like Arsenal, Tottenham, Manchester City, Chelsea, who we'll get into, you know, they're starting to pick things up. United, obviously, poor loss against Man City, but what are you going to do? They pick themselves back up with a win against Everton. They're now sitting, you know, in the top five. So Liverpool are falling behind. And they have to play City next week, which it seems unlikely that they'll make up ground Mm. at the very least. So obviously Liverpool still have all the quality. And, you know, they may be able to turn things around in Europe and they could just as easily, you know, go on another Champions League run. So obviously all the quality is still there. And there's still a lot to be had for Liverpool this season. And they're still the same team. But they've shot themselves in the foot to start the season. There's no other way to say it. So they have a lot of ground to make up. Uh, I, ex- I was having this conversation with one of my, um, my friends earlier this week. It was, and we both kind of agreed, that the loss of Saudi Mane obviously hurt. Um. But you were, as a, as a Liverpool fan, used to getting 30-plus goals a season in all comps from Mohamed Salah. You got one goal in the league? Two goals two. in the league? Like, where it's match week nine. Erling Holland has 14 goals. 50. This is... And it's not like Mo Salah's, like, cutting in scrambling left backs and then ringing it off the crossbar and it's like a matter of time like dude didn't produce an ounce of xg against arsenal on sunday like their two goals were their two chances exactly like this is mo salah i i he just doesn't look like the same player it looks like he's like out of shape almost like he doesn't he's usually so industrious you get him the ball and he's like driving at the wing bags. He needs to double team him, and then he like curls one into the box to a guy that's wide open because he had to overload ball side on Mohamed Salah. Now it's like you give the ball to Mohamed Salah. He like does a little shimmy, cuts in on his left, and then it's easily readable. And then he gives it off to Jordan Henderson. It's and you, I know I watched all ninety minutes against Arsenal. He looked completely non-threatening, which is ridiculous when you think of how good Mo Salah has been over the last three years like he was a Ballon d'Or top five Ballon d'Or candidate for the last three years and now he's like like almost borderline droppable he did not do anything like a front three of Jota Firmino and Diaz would do equally as good Salah brought nothing to the table on Sunday pretty much nothing to the table he doesn't look speedy he's not hanging on the shoulder he's not asking for the ball over the top he's like hanging on the shoulder if he gets the ball he gets the ball he like puts it on his left if anything's open he passes it if nothing he passes it back to Trent. Mm-hmm. like that i think is you know not sneakily concerning but if muhammad salah figures it out that could really kickstart their season but since he has been there basically their entire attack for the uh, 30 goal 30 plus goals a season that is like 40% of your goals for a season damn near like and now he's producing nothing like close to nothing that is a huge hit and 
likely why Liverpool have dropped so many points this season. It's definitely concerning. I don't think you should draw necessarily too much from the game on Sunday just because Tomiyasu performed so well against Salah and both him really and like, Martinelli. It, it wasn't like Mohamed Salah was picking up the ball, driving at him, and then Tomiyasu made like lunging tackles and stripped him of the ball. Like Tomiyasu like, held his ground, stayed in front of him, he turned around and passed it to Trent Alexander-Arnold. Like, it, it wasn't... Tomiyasu did a very good job and contained him really well, but Tomiyasu didn't need to do anything athletic. He didn't need to do anything crazy. He stood his ground, did his job as a defender, and repelled Salah back into the midfield. Like, it, it just doesn't seem like he has that same attacking energy and drive that he's had in the last three years. That, that's all I'm saying. No, I mean, that, that in itself is undeniable that he hasn't been the same player this season. I don't think anyone mm-hmm. can argue that. And he just needs a boost. And it's got to... It's got to come somewhere. Maybe if he can put in a good performance against Man City at home, he's done it before. He scored fantastic goals against Manchester City and Anfield. I mean, that could be, you know, the performance that kickstarts his and Liverpool's season. But it's going to take a lot against City next weekend. With that, we'll round out our feature games for Match Week 8 and Match Week 9. I'll run through the whole out-of-town scores right now uh we talked about it before liverpool three brighton three amazing game um but concerning defensively for for uh liverpool giving up three goals to brighton i mean they're a good team <clears throat> jesus is that like my fifth voice crack today holy crap <laughs> okay they're a good team but at anfield's a 3-3 game is you know it's a bit embarrassing because three goals should be getting you a win against brighton and even at yeah. home, it didn't get it. Uh, New- Fulham won Newcastle 4. Newcastle, the beneficiary of a Fulham red card, um, which I'm sure they're not complaining. Uh, Shalaba in the eighth minute for Fulham. And that kind of just kicked off a, a Miguel Almiron, dare I say, masterclass? <laughs> that game. <laughs> Two goals from Almiron. I picked them up for my fantasy team, so I'm <laughs> I'm happy about it. Um, yeah, I mean, good for the MLS, right? <laughs> Southampton won, Everton two, nice three points for the Toffees. Wins this season might be few and far between for Everton. So, whenever you can pick up three points, certainly cherish it. Crystal Palace won, Chelsea two. Connor Gallagher screamer. In the dying moments, get some three points there. Uh, Pulisic assist. Whoop, whoop. He's touching <laughs> the football now in the Premier League. Yeah, uh, sports went crazy with that one. <laughs> <laughs> can you blame him? Uh, Bournemouth nil, Brentford nil. Not much to say about this one. Uh, I guess, you know, before the game, I'm sure Brentford and Bournemouth might might take a point from this game. Kind of just go their separate ways with a point and that's kind of just what happened uh west ham two wolves nil another rare win for west ham this season kind of I th- was this the game right before bruno lodge got fired i or was bruno so. lodge fired yeah. at this point yeah okay yeah so this one was the nail in the coffin yeah they fired lodge, him after this game yeah the nail in the yeah. coffin for bruno lodge losing to a lowly west ham team this season might have just been the nail in the coffin um wolves looking uninspired as they have all season. Um, Leeds nil, Aston Villa nil. Leeds needing to hang on with their red card. Three red cards in this match week. Um, But the red card for Leeds, Luis Stenistero right after halftime, um, forced Leeds to kind of back up into a corner. Leeds, United States of America. Um, Brendan Aronson been kind of clipping on kids recently i don't know if you've seen he's he's definitely coming into his own in the premier league and he'll be fun to talk about come the world cup podcast but um yeah definitely yeah. staking his claim as a as a regular in this league which is very nice to see leicester city four nottingham forest nil round of applause for leicester city they won a real life game in the they premier league did it <laughs> I, I brendan rogers can't even believe this one that's how bad Nottingham Forest is. Like, they are just shambolic. 
<laughs> and I watched I watched a decent amount of this game actually. This is like a James Madison masterclass. He was running riot mm-hmm. through this midfield. Um, but in this game, it looked like you know, dare I say, classic Leicester City. You know, they possessed the ball, they showed quality, um, and they got the like they just finished their chances. Like so contrary to what we've seen this season. But you know, I guess when you're playing non Forest, you can just do whatever you want. Yeah. Uh, that rounds out match day nine, I guess technically. Um, and this would be start of match day ten. Uh, Newcastle five, Brentford one. A route for Newcastle, a team that's picking up again a nice bit of form, even without Alan Saint Maximon thus far, still injured. Yeah, um, no Saint Maximon, no Isak either. Yeah, I'm not sure how they're getting it done, but Eddie Howe, I've always said it, good manager. And uh, Bournemouth two, Leicester City one, right back down to earth for Leicester City. Losing to arguably the worst team on paper, maybe besides Nottingham Forest. Um, this is just a brutal loss. I mean, yeah. You, sh- I, I, I'm, I'm sick and tired of just saying how much Leicester City have underperformed, but like, you can't be dropping all three points to Bournemouth. And the like, way that they lost it too, they, they were up a goal and they turned it around in four minutes. Yeah. Four minutes, it was two one. They flipped the script. <laughs> oh my god! How how does this man still have a job? <laughs> Manchester City four, Southampton nil. Erling Holland graciously waiting until the sixtieth minute to score his. Yeah. Um, nothing much to say here. Very comfortable win at home. That's the sixth voice crack for Braden, by the way. <laughs> um, Chelsea three, Wolves nil. New manager, same problems. Wolves look uninspired. Chelsea. Did their job, broke them down, and finished. Christian Pulisic goal. Yeah. <laughs> Brighton nil. Tottenham won. Tottenham getting all three points and still getting brutally dragged on Twitter for being the most boring team in the Premier League right now. Um, and I'm here for it because <laughs> I agree. I mean, and it's it's funny because like all nineteen seven voice crack. All <laughs> nineteen teams fans are kind of drawing Holland Tottenham. voice cracks right now. <laughs> yeah. Seven voice cracks in one game. Yeah, I'd like to see him do that. Yeah. Um Yeah. And then Tottenham fans are like completely just like bowing down to Conte for like getting dominated every game and still getting three points. It's it's like art. And I know we say it every week, but it's actually art. Like I have nothing but respect for this guy. Just playing not football and winning games. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. West Ham 3, Fulham 1. Another three points for West Ham United. Can't take those for granted nowadays. Nice win. Skamaka on the score sheet again. He's picking up a little bit, finding his home in the Premier League. Always nice to see. Yeah. Especially with the struggles that West Ham strikers have had over the last five years. Mm-hmm. At the very least, staying on the field. <laughs> the <laughs> problems they've had. Crystal Palace 2, Leeds United 1. Standard win for Crystal Palace. This is one of those games where you're like, you know, Crystal Palace is so inconsistent. They play, you know, they play well on a day. They get three points. This is a game they could have very easily lost with their inconsistencies. But turns out that Edward and Eze got it done on the day. A um, little bit of a setback for Leeds, who have been very good this season. But... Um, you know, nothing too. They're on a bit of a slide, though. Are they? I mean, I mean yeah, yeah, they week. are on a bit of a slide. Fourteenth, they have. I'm looking at the table now. They have nine points, and I think they had seven points in the first yeah. three games. So, and they have Arsenal coming up, which <laughs> they can't be thrilled about. It's not great. Yes. Um, Everton one, Manchester United two. Speed's happy. Cristiano Ronaldo on the score sheet. Um, Suey. <laughs> a nice win got the job done i saw a lot of things on twitter saying casemiro played a two and a nine uh, a two out of ten and a nine out of ten in the same day um and i watched the highlights back and it seems about right <laughs> uh and then earlier today nottingham forest won aston villa won and ashley young screamer if you didn't see it i uh, got the it. old I rickety boots out for that one team. <laughs> um but Points shared. A nice point for Nottingham Forest, who otherwise stink. And that rounds out all the content that we missed over the last two weeks. 
and we roll into the goal picks and the match week 10 picks. Let's do the match week 10 picks, and then we'll do the goal picks. A little out of order today. But Manchester United, Newcastle. Ethan, what do you got? So new as as we just mentioned, Newcastle have been on a tear lately. They've been destroying teams up and down the land, and they've been doing it without two of their best players on paper, Alan St. Maximon, obviously, and new signing Alexander Isak. But guys have been stepping up. I mean, again, as we said, Miguel Almiron, he's scored what, like three times in his last two games? Did he have two against Fulham? I think he did. So Yeah, yeah, two. Yeah, yeah, he did have two. So Newcastle are hitting their stride just at the right time and United have been good I mean they had a nice bounce back performance against Everton away um but they still seem susceptible to quality sides outside the top six I'm actually going to say Newcastle win this one 2-1 I think Newcastle just have that momentum Hmm. going for them I still think United are figuring themselves out they still haven't fully you know hit their peak yet this season Mm -hmm. I think Newcastle will take advantage I think I I mean I like I've loved Newcastle since the beginning of the year I had them coming 7th. Um but United at home this year have just been a different breed of team, you know. They've put in these laxadaisical performances away, but when they get home against Arsenal against Liverpool, they've always had that extra bit of spark and I think that they are going to cash in on that spark on I believe Saturday. 3-1 Manchester United. I think it's going to happen for them. Just that extra bit of home momentum. The crowd has been understandably, you know, anxious to get this team going. And that has kind of sparked this uh, atmosphere at Manchester United. And when they come back home, I believe they'll get the job done. 3-1 Manchester United. And then the big one, Liverpool, maybe not so big. In years past, it's been big, but now it's, now it's just another big six game, I guess. Liverpool hosts Man City at Anfield. What do you got? So despite how dominant Manchester City have been and despite how underwhelming Liverpool have been, Anfield is still a fortress. And it's still so, so difficult to get a result there. And Man City will score goals. There's absolutely zero doubt about that. They always do, and now they have a robot playing up front. So there's no doubt that they'll put two or three on the scoreboard. But Liverpool, despite their struggles to create chances, they've still been very clinical. Like we said before, they only had two chances against Arsenal, and they took them both. So if Liverpool can find, find a way to create a bit more, I have no doubt that they'll be able to finish off those chances. Uh, I think this is going to be a really close game. I just can't see Man City beating Liverpool at Anfield. So I'm going to say... I originally said 2-2. I'm going to say 3-3. I think we're going to have another thriller here. Hopefully this game lives up to the billing again. What did you say? 3-3? 3-3. A lot of goals in this one. Hmm. I would be. I'm praying for a three-three. That would that would please me as a, as a neutral. Um, I I'm gonna. It's just there's two trains of thought that just are butting heads in my brain. The fact that Anfield is going to be just unbelievably loud as it always is for Liverpool City. Um, and then the other thought in my brain is Man City are one of the best, if not the best team in the world right now. Um, it's, I, I I just think that the soccer gods are not going to let Manchester City win this game. Like somewhere deep inside of Liverpool is a team that is going to go toe to toe with Man City and it's going to be, I think it's going to be Firmino um, at striker. I, I, I can't see him playing Darwin Nunez in this game. Um, well, they have played a bit differently because I don't know if you saw, they've kind of adjusted. Yeah, they played Jota as a cam. Their formation. Yeah, yeah, yeah they play 4-2-3-1 now. 
Which is odd that they played Jota as a cam instead. I don't know. You know who else were they going to put there? As a cam. Harvey Elliott? Well, they put Firmino there. Firmino didn't start. You got some. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They get, well, no, I think Jota like, started as the cam. And yeah, Jota they, started as the cam. Yeah, and bench and then, Firmino. Di- then Diaz got injured. They moved Jota to the left and then they put Firmino cam. Yeah. I'm going to go 2 2. I think it's going to be a draw as well. I hate to agree with you, but 2 2. Time for some goal picks. Would you like to pick or block first? A block first. All right. My first pick, I'm going to go in order of I think you're not going to guess it to I think you're going to guess it. So we'll start with the one I don't think you're going to get. Uh, Gianluca Scamacca of West Ham United. I think he's picking up recently. If you picked him, uh, fuck you. Why did you ever block <laughs> Gianluca Scamacca? <laughs> um, I just think he's on form. Uh, favorable matchup this week. I believe it is Southampton. Yeah, Southampton. Yeah. Um, you know, another one of those teams that leaks goals like crazy. Um, he'll get his chances. Hopefully, he puts one away. Second one, bit of a favorite of mine. Leandro Trossard. Been amongst the goals recently. Had a hat trick at Anfield. Not many people can say that. Not named Andre Arshavin. So I think he's on a bit of form. In fact, I know he's on a bit of form. Uh, another f- relatively favorable matchup this week. Um, he is in Brentford. Um, yeah. Team that's looked. Brentford you know, have also been leaking goals. <laughs> yes, recently. Um, so. Good matchup, good player, been amongst the goals, taking Trossard. And then the one that I most likely think you may have blocked is uh, Harry Kane going uh, against Everton at home. Eighth voice crack mm-hmm. for Braden. Um, <laughs> you know, hasn't really hit his goal stride, although he's second for the Golden Boot right now. You know, hasn't really yeah. <laughs> hit his impressive self yet, hoping he can find it against a poor Everton side. What do I got, Ethan? Well, you don't have Kane. <laughs> it was worth a shot. Yeah, I'm sorry. Kane against Everton at home, like, I swear he scores a brace every single time. I just couldn't <laughs> risk you having Kane. You can have Skamaka and you can have Trossard, but you cannot have Harry Kane. Alright, I guess I'll take it. Yeah. Uh, my other two picks were Anthony and Rashford. I thought you may go with yeah. one of the two. Okay, I have my blocks. Okay. When you're ready. So I guess I'll also go in order of most like or least likely and most likely for you guessing them. Uh, first pick is Ivan Tony. Um, Brentford haven't been that good of late, but nonetheless, Ivan Tony has still been in the goals. He has six goals this season. Very good output for you know a player on a non big six team. He takes penalties. Uh, yeah, he's just a good goal scorer. He's playing against Brighton, not the easiest of matchups, but they're at home. I think they Brentford are a good team who are looking to turn their fortunes around. I have a good feeling about Ivan Tony this week. Uh, my second pick is Phil Foden. Um, want to pick a City player. Was Did not have the balls to pick Holland. Uh, even though Foden has been scoring pretty much at the same rate as Hall in these past couple games. Still think he's not quite so obvious that you pick him, but you might have. Still very, very high-profile pick. And then third pick, I mean, it's it's always very, very risky, but Gabriel Jesus. I don't think I've picked him that often this year, but, I mean, he's Gabriel Jesus. (laughs) <laughs> you're confident every week that he's going to score, even if he's only scored five, which is still a very good output. I have a feeling he'll score this week against Leeds, who have, again, they've been on a slide. They have not been playing that well. Arsenal, the complete opposite. They're on top of the world. Hopefully I can have him. Yeah, you can have all three. I uh, I blocked Holland and Martinelli, so you slipped two past me. Kane, Holland, and Martinelli. That's what I had. If you had, any, nice. if you had Kane or Holland, I would have been kicking myself. So, had to block somebody. Yeah. You, you just, you know, wiggled your way past it and took maybe the three other best scorers in the league. <laughs> um, 
with the goal picks done, it's time to move on to our final segment. A segment that Ethan is spearheading, and I'll let him take it away. Yes, so obviously Holland has been all anyone has been talking about recently. And I'm sure every time he plays, you've seen at least three or four different posts on social media about some crazy-ass stat about his goal scoring this season or throughout his entire career. So I thought I'd, you know, have a fun little game where we compare Erling Holland's stats to, or at least his Premier League goal scoring record to other, you know, historic players in the Premier League who obviously Holland, he scored 15 Premier League goals. So I'm going to give a list of players who, you know, Brian will have to think about to see if they've scored either more or less or possibly the same number of friendly goals as Erling Holland, plus a couple of bonus questions which are comparing Holland's goal scoring to non-soccer related stuff, which we'll get into. But first we'll start with the Premier League comparisons. So the first one is Alvaro Morata, who has scored more Premier League goals. Surely Alvaro Morata has more than 14. Or 15. It's 15. Is it 15? 15. Well, okay. 15, yeah. Is that your final answer? No, hold on. Let me think about it. Because he was, he was pretty memed in his day. <laughs> no, I'm, going, I'm back in Morata. Morata's got to have 1 15. That is correct. Thank you. Okay. Just barely. He has 16 <laughs> Premier League goals. Wow. I thought it was like 20 of them. Wow. Just barely. Morata was shit, man. Erling Holland. Yeah. God damn. Yeah. It's not good. I will have put Kai Havertz on here, but I think that that was already, I've already seen that a couple of times throughout social media, so I thought it may be a bit too obvious, but. Oh, he has more goals than Kai Havertz? Premier League goals than Kai Havertz. Havertz I believe it. You know how much of a Kai Havertz hater I am. So I would have said I would have said yeah. less out of spite. I wouldn't have even thought about yeah. it. <laughs> so the next one is no doubt a Premier League legend, but not necessarily known for his goal scoring. Nonetheless, mm-hmm. was in the prem for a while. Xabi Alonso. See, I don't know if Xabi Alonso was a penalty kick taker, which would influence my decision quite a bit. This one is completely a toss up for me. I feel like he's pretty good at long shots. How long was he at Liverpool? Like four years, four or five years. I honestly don't know. I'm gonna go like with I'm gonna go with less. To be, uh... CDMs in the Premier League don't get a ton of goals, so unless they're penalty kick takers like Jorginho, I'm gonna go with less. Final answer. And you'd be correct again. Oh my god, fourteen Premier League goals for. Xabi Alonso. Damn, you really fucking like <laughs> right yeah. in there. No, it's either fourteen these, or sixteen. No, all of these. No, all of these are close. Okay, they're all right in the range. Your third one is Ian Robin. Oof. Premier League goals for Ian Robin. My gut says more, but I'm gonna go with less. Less final anthem. This is a no, no non-thinker. Yeah. I'm gonna go with less. Well, it's a trick question. It's actually 15 goals. It's the same. Uh, you piece of shit. I did no slip it into the terms and con- I slipped into the terms <laughs> and conditions right before that it could be the same. So you can't sue me. <laughs> uh, and the final one for the player comparisons before we get into some of the more fun, thought-provoking ones hmm. is Alf Ing Holland, Erling Holland's father. <laughs> There's, I don't know, fourteen <laughs> goals. What I don't know what position did he play. I thought it was like a center back. I think he was a defensive mid. Okay, here I'll I'll, I'll check. <laughs> That'd be crazy if it took him nine games to pass his father. I mean, not really if he played CDM or center back. He plays a right back or midfielder. I'm gonna go with last. Hey, he didn't get 14 goals, 15 goals. Sorry, but you're wrong on this one. Oh, he had 18 man. Premier League goals. Damn. Erling, low so, trash. He hasn't quite passed his father yet. Also, if you want, not do, an awkward Thanksgiving. Yeah. 
if you want to use a bit of deductive reasoning, you could think, sure, or at least after I saw it, it's hard to think of on the spot, but after, you know, I saw it, I figured, well, when he passes his father in goals, surely you'll see it, like, you know, That's all over, like, Twitter maybe. and Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's not like his father yeah, was a goal It's just like a fun scorer. stat, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it'll be, you know. They just they just love to pull out how many know, goals is Alfie fun goal scoring stats. Uh, he is eighteen, Eight. so he'll okay. pass it next week probably. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, now right, on to me. the uh, bonus rounds. I'm ready. So the first one, which is greater, Erling Holland career club goals? So for his entire club career, mm-hmm. his number of goals or the number of kills that. Halloween serial killer Michael Myers has in the Halloween franchise. Oh, and God. I'll give you some context for this one, since you know I don't know if you're that big of a horror movie buff. There were thirteen movies in the thirteen thirteen Halloween. Oh my God. Okay. Yeah. Thank you for that context. I thought there were like three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's <laughs> thirteen <laughs> movies. Thirteen movies. I think Erling Holland has, like. Somewhere between sixty-five and eighty club goals, I, I think it's in there somewhere. And let's let's for argument's sake say say eighty. Well, we'll go on the high end. Uh, well, I don't know. He probably scored a shit. This is fourth season, twenty goals a season. I feel like it's light actually. Fifth season? No, he's got to have more than that. He's got to he's got to have more club goals. Anyway, kills per movie for Michael Myers. I'm thinking, okay, 13 movies. Let's say, on average, five or six kills per movie. Like, they can't just be killing off people left and right. Like, unless they're, like, literal extras, like, side characters, we can't just be killing people off. Like, there's got to be some, like, plot. So, six kills per movie. That's, like, 75. No. He's got... he's. Yeah, bust who's, out more, who's a more prolific? <laughs> who's more prolific, Michael Myers or Erling Holland? <laughs> I'm gonna say Erling Holland. Erling Holland has more goals than Michael Myers kills. And you'd be incorrect. God damn! How many club goals does he have? He's 155 club goals. Okay, yeah, all right. I think I was off there. Yeah, I I, I yeah, did the math a little bit, and I was like, wait a second. Yeah. I, for some reason, I thought I saw on Instagram he had like 80, but I was like, that doesn't seem right. Maybe it was like 80 like league goals or something. I don't know. Yeah, so he has 155 career club goals, and Michael Myers has 170 kills in 13 movies. So he's got like 12 kills. In, I mean, I don't know horror movies. I he could just Thir- be going around every scene and just killing people. I like there's some <laughs> horror characters that like I guess don't kill a ton of people and just go for the main character, and he's just doing side quests or something. I don't know. Um, no, I, I've seen I've only seen one Halloween movie, but he's all about like the side quests. Oh, okay. like he's always going for like one like main person at the end, but he's just like killing people. He gets like, bored after a while, and he's like, "I can't, I can't wait until <laughs> the hour thirty mark of this movie to kill somebody." I got you. Yeah, no, I mean something else has to happen before like the final scene. <laughs> so, and then one more comparison for your thought, and I think, I think you'll enjoy this one. Which is higher, Erling Holland's career goals per game ratio at the club level, mm-hmm. or the average number of girlfriends per episode between Jerry Seinfeld and George Costanza on Seinfeld. Wait, so Jerry, so the ratio is Jerry's girlfriends plus George's girlfriends over the amount of episodes. Over the number of episodes. Okay. If you need, I can give you the number of episodes. I, I think it's, we should keep it as up okay. to me as possible because I will okay. not be thinking about it that hard. Um... First of all, Jerry's backpacking that number <laughs> by a mile. I can, I think George has had like a dozen girlfriends back. I'll tell you afterwards the exact numbers. <laughs> like we're throwing in George in there for like aesthetic only. This is this is a, <laughs> this is a Jerry Seinfeld number. Ratio girlfriends per episode. What was it like? Twelve seasons, thirteen seasons. 20 episodes each. To around 20 episodes each. Go to 40 episodes. Girlfriends. 
Sperling Holland's goals per game ratio or girlfriends per Well, Erling Holland's goals per game ratio I know is like pretty damn close to one. It's like point nine two or something like that. I this is all competitions, his entire career or, or his entire career, all club competitions. Okay. No okay, club competitions. So just no international, but mm-hmm. all club, Champions League, League, you know, Cup. They two hundred and Twelve seasons? That seems right. Twenty episodes each, maybe. I'm gonna say like close to two hundred episodes at least. They would need a girlfriend an episode combined, which would mean Jerry would essentially need a girlfriend per episode, and I don't know if he pulled that off. He was hauling, but maybe not. <laughs> I'm gonna go with Erling Holland, Erling Holland again. I think he beats him. Erling Holland, and this time you would be correct. Okay, thank you. Uh, you're a bit off on the numbers. Uh, Erling Holland's goals per game ratio is 0. 0.79. It's not quite oh, in the nines. Oh, shit. Okay. I know. Terrible. Yeah. I don't <laughs> know why people like this think this guy's good. <laughs> anyway. And uh, partners per episode uh, for Jerry and George was 0. 0.67. Uh, there, were mm. a, there were 180 episodes of Seinfeld. Okay. Only nine seasons, actually. You were a bit high on, uh, mm. on the season number. And you sold uh, George a bit short. I think he, I looked it up because I think he had 47 girlfriends. Oh, look at George. Throughout the, uh, or 47, uh, you know, dates, whatever. And uh, Jerry had like 73 or something. So, oh, okay. Yes, Jerry definitely did carry that number. But yeah, you know, <laughs> George, you know, he, he put in his, his share. I, I, was I, I, I apologize. Too. <laughs> I apologize, George. I was not familiar with your game. <laughs> So yeah, how, how'd you do in this? I think you got maybe, well, like, I think you got like half of them, right? You got that—that's pretty much what you get right about in the uh, yeah in the, um, the Ethanverse Twitter. Twitter. Oh no, so. Ethanverse Twitter, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, uh, on to match week ten. Um, covered a lot of content today. I'm out of breath, sweating over here. Had to bundle <laughs> through it all, but we got through it all. Um, no more midterms for Braden. Back on a regu- regular upgrading Ooh. schedule. Academics, no longer a question. So- only soccer, no college. <laughs> and with that, we'll sign off. Adios. See ya.